Hi, I'm Patrick Finley. He's Mark Potash. Potsy coming up on Hellas Intrigue. We will break down the Bears' upcoming game against the Falcons, and more importantly, what may or may not happen about 10 days from now. All that and more coming up on Hallis Intrigue. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Patsy, as you and I sit here right now, the Bears are 6-9 and and preparing for the Atlanta Falcons, who actually have something to play for in a playoff berth. Uh, they have an offense. The Bears have an offense that seemed to struggle for three quarters on Sunday and emerged from what I think we all thought was going to be a blowout win. Uh, maybe a little less optimistic than I, than you you'd think for a team that doesn't win very often. Uh, where did the Bears sit offensively um, uh, as they get ready for Sunday? You know, I I don't know I don't know where they sit. I can tell you the truth, Pat, because. Uh, um, at this point, you know, that looked great. Getting the 21-0 lead was great. The out three touchdowns and three consecutive drives is great. But the longer you get into the season, the more the drop-off from that becomes kind of overrides the success. Because really, sort of, right? Because right, it's right. a big-picture thing. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, it's like, well, what have you done for me lately? Okay, great. You're good enough to get a 21-0 lead. But that's still a huge kind of bugaboo, I guess, is, is getting is sustaining things. And um, and so I think that I, I think what it tells me is this offense uh, for whatever growth they've seen incrementally is just not where they need to be. And uh, and so I think uh, that's this is kind of a this is a tough week, I think, for the offense, because um, I think I think because they're now they're not 100 percent where they used to be. I mean, I must. I guess we can assume Tevin Jenkins will play since he's practicing. I mean, it may, I don't he still know. Still needs to clear one more step in the right. So, protocol. but but you know, Darnell Mooney is is injured and Cole Komet is not practicing. Did not practice again on on Thursday. Um, it was just out there, and so um, they have. You know, that's the same. That's the it's an interesting thing. I don't mean to get sidetracked here, but. The Bears have really made some hay out of being very the health, arguably maybe actually the healthiest team in the NFL the last three weeks mm-hmm. or four weeks. They won three of the games, but the downside to that is every team eventually has injuries, and this team has a very small margin for error. So an injury here or there really makes a big deal, makes a big difference. And so I think defensively is where the Bears are going to. Pro- I predict that they will win this game. I know you will get, probably get to the predictions later, but that's what I'm basing it on, the defense still being whole. Uh, but the offense now is starting to get some uh, nicked up a little bit, and I think that's that's going to be an issue um, against a pretty good Falcons defense. I'm not sure. They're kind of yeah. like – they're kind of mad, and like they're the mad team of the NFL, aren't they? The, the, they're, the, they're the poster boys for NFL mediocrity mm-hmm. uh, with a quarterback situation to kind of – fits which fits that, which is where they don't know exactly where they're heading. So so everything – so, it's so yeah, so I think the Bears offense is going to be – have a big challenge, but they would be challenged against any team. Yeah. That's just where, that's where they are. This is a defense that is 16th, 17th, something like that. In the league, uh, an offense with Taylor Heineke at quarterback. Uh, they've gone back and forth and back again a couple of different times. Uh, but they really tried to run the heck out of the ball, uh, whether it is B. John Robinson, the rookie from right. Texas, uh, or Tyler Algier, or even Cordero Patterson, uh, an old friend of the Bears. And that plays into the Bears' strength. That, yeah. that, that's why it's, I, I would say, I guess you can argue it's not a good matchup for the Bears, but if you look at it from what I, you know, from what I say, I think it's not a good matchup 
uh, uh, for the Falcons because that's I think that's the Bears' strength and it's been pretty consistent. Yeah, it's it, it has been. Uh, Justin Fields likes to say that he'd like to score 28 points, and if they score 28, uh, they can win. I think he might get away with scoring 18 and winning on, on yeah. Sunday uh, if the Bears I, do it well, especially if weather plays into that. Dome, oh, yeah. Dome yeah, teams yeah. at Soldier Field in December – uh, are, are teams you want to play, I think. Yeah, I thought, you know, and as a kind of an aside, I thought the 27 was an interesting number. Or the yeah, 28 was right. an interesting number because the reason they only got to 27 was because instead of getting another touchdown, they got two field goals. Right. And that's, a, that's you know, touchdowns versus field goals, what uh, building an offense is uh, all about, especially for the Bears. They've just got to get more touchdowns instead of field goals. They've got the field goal kicker. Now that they've got that, they got to figure out a way to score touchdowns. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, if the offense can take a, uh, another step, and I think the uh, the dome team from a, from a mild or warm weather uh, city against uh, the Bears in December at Soldier Field in what will be uh, as opposed to last week a more normal winter uh, day, uh, I think is a bear is a Bears advantage, especially when the teams aren't like high caliber. We'll get back to the specifics of this game at the end of the show, Patsy. But all anyone wants to talk about now is what's going to happen on Black Monday. Uh, I know you've been of the opinion for a couple weeks now that Matt Eberflus is trending in the right way. Um, why do you think that is? Well, because I think I, I'm looking at it from Ryan Pohl's viewpoint, and that's that uh, that, that uh, Matt Eberflus is his guy. He's in his second year, and I think the uh, judgment on, a, on your own guy in the second year is much, which is really his first year. I right. would argue it's his first year. It's much different than, say, the judgment on Matt Nagy in his third year, which is we're making similar arguments in year three of Nagy versus year two or what I would consider year one of of um, of Matt Eberflus. And I and I think that's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, my thinking is very simple. They set a standard of progress at the beginning of the year, Ryan Pohl said, win more games, more wins, right? And it was a little bit of a joke because you could win four and you would accomplish that. It would have been hard to win less. Right, games. right, yes. absolutely. And, and so, that, but now they've won six. And you might not consider that, in you out there in podcast land might not consider that progress, but I can see the Bears legitimately saying, yes, that is that is progress, especially when you look at the totality of, you know, going what was it? Five, uh, three, three and eighteen, and five and twenty. Yeah. Um, at, for, at the beginning, that is re- that is that's digging yourself out of a hole that is real, as opposed to losing six games in a row in 2020. 2020? Yeah. And then make and was then it four in a row, then five in a row, then six in a row yeah. in consecutive years. Yeah. yeah. That that was the argument that that was mocked. We mocked that, and we and we should have. Ted Ted and and George were mocked for 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 emphasizing that. This is a to-, to me. I'm. I'm. A, I think this is a totally different argument. Uh, the pulling themselves out of that two and six, zero oh and four, two and six, five and twenty uh, start, and and I think they can. So a, I think they a they can claim progress, and I think they and that is real. So I know people. I, I will also say this, and I'm sorry I'm so long winded on this. I don't think Matt Eberflus has proven that he's a winning NFL coach. I think he's proven he's a good defensive coordinator. But as far as the you know the head of the whole thing, and I guess the one thing he's done is kept the locker room together. Mm-hmm. You could say he's done that. But, yes, yeah, is, is he the next uh, who, who, whomever, uh, 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 Matt LaFleur or, or Sean McVay or, you know, whatever, whoever the standards are? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I don't think he's proven that. But I think he's earned the right in, in the eyes of Ryan Poles to, give, to, uh, to uh, get a chance to 
prove that next year. So that's 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 the only reason. I, that's not the only. Reason, that's not one of several reasons, I guess. I think I think at this point he will be back. And I, I've argued to Jason that the Bears are best at what Matt Eberflus is best at. Right. And I don't think Matt Nagy could ever say that. I, I think right. there's, oh, that's absolutely. Yeah, I do think there's a proof of concept there with him defensively that makes yeah. sense. Now the question becomes, well, I'll get to my next point in a second. I, I can't remember an NFL that was so average ever in my lifetime. And it's been fairly average overall, but you're right. This is a Yeah, there are how many point. I mean, how many good teams are there? Five? Six, maybe? And then there's kind of everybody else. Yeah. And then, I mean, and that even includes the Panthers who, you know, took the Packers, you know, down to the final second. That includes the Patriots who went on the road and won in, in Denver. Usually there's a pretty good delineation between good and mediocre and yeah. mediocre and bad. This year it's kind of all one mess. Yeah. Um, I realize that the Bears have no control over that, but I, it's really hard for me to tell, you know, in a more normal season are the Bears – a good bad team or a bad bad team, uh, you know, it, they could. It, it's. I mean, they're three. They're like three minutes of football time away from, you know, knocking on the door of the playoffs this right. year, and that's. It's just such a bizarre season. I think my response to that, Pat, is very simple. I think the arrows pointing up. I think they're making progress. I think they have players who are getting better. They have a defense that's getting better. Uh, at one point, this was actually a defense that thought pretty highly of themselves, but they were not turning the ball over and they had no pass rusher. Mm-hmm. Now they are turning the ball over and they have a, a pass rusher who has been better than people thought, better than I thought, better than people thought would be in Montez Sweat. And, and they have a cornerback in Jalen Johnson who's the number one rated corner by Pro Football Focus. Right. Like you could yeah. argue that they, they have two at the two premium spots yeah. on the defense, that they have two top five players, top ten players. And, like and. They have the number. They could have the number one or two pick in the NFL draft, which is a huge difference between the, where the Bears, other Bears teams in a similar win-loss record situation were. Not only do you have a defense that I think you have a really good foundation of young players, but you have an offense that's going to be fortified one way or another. Either uh, Caleb Williams or Marvin Harrison Jr. going to get a uh, it, it, if the, if the experts are right about how good these guys are, going to get a huge jump next year. So. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that's what separates the Bears uh, from other teams in that in the muck right. of mediocrity is that they have uh, a future. And I will say, I know what people are saying. The Bears have had a future for a long time, you know, <laughs> and, and not for a long time, but for many, many times. There have been many times the Bears have had a future, and I don't, I, I can't blame someone for pouring cold water on my commentary right. uh, because, you know, how this will look. Let's replay what we're saying right now two years from now and see how silly this looks, this sounds. But I still think it's a real analysis of where they are. I think sure. this, is, this, is, this, is as, uh, this is as arrow pointing up as the Bears have seen since they fired Lovey Smith. I would argue that. The, the Bears have a future, and as they will remind you, the Bears have the greatest past that has ever passed as well. Um, to me, that this is where the Eberflus conversation gets interesting. Everything you say is correct, but is there a value to lining up a head coach with a quarterback? This is, this is something they did not do with Matt Nagy. Yep. This is something they did not do with John Fox. These are mistakes. You do not have to go far, very far back to see the problem with drafting a quarterback but having a coach who's in win-now mode to try to save his own butt. I could not agree with you more, and I know that kind of con- contradicts what I said before about why I think Ryan Poles will will keep Iberflus. The one scenario where I think he will make a bold move and fire the guy he hired two years ago um, is 
because they want to line that up and because it'll be difficult to get let's say let's say they you know you you've presented this scenario many times but uh let's say they they want to make a change at uh, offensive coordinator how are you going to find an offensive coordinator who knows that his head coach is going to be on the hot seat that's we've been there before many times too that's the what you're lining it all up i think is the is the best uh counter to my argument that they will keep them and i think that's a that's a fair reason for why they would make a clean sweep and i could and i couldn't argue with i couldn't mm. argue with that could i could i give you a a way out. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. What if Ryan Poles got up at the end of the season and said, we are going to keep Matt Eberflus, and I'm telling you now, Matt Eberflus is going to be our coach uh, for the next two seasons at the least. He is under contract. We plan to honor that contract. We are in it for the long haul with him, regardless of what the ups and downs might be. I, if you make a public declaration like that, does that help you hire an offensive coordinator? Does that give you a context in which to deal with the ups and downs of a first-year quarterback that you're probably going to end up drafting? Does that kind of take the temperature of the room down enough that it's not panic time the first time Caleb Williams throws three interceptions? In the, the problems I see with that are, I guess there's two. One, uh, I think that paints him into a corner that he probably doesn't want to do because things can go pretty haywire. Here we've seen right. it before. Mm-hmm. Where wait, you know we look at look at look at four and six and eight games this season. He was as good as gone, right? right. What if you're in that situation again, uh, and now you've already made this promise that he's going to be here again the next right. year? And also, I just don't think anyone will believe him. So I, I don't. I don't think I think anybody who's familiar with the way the NFL works will mm-hmm. buy that, and I don't think that will make a difference in who they can hire. Mm-hmm. It's a tricky. It's really it's a tricky thing. I agree, but. You know, that's they almost have to. They almost have to. You know, they can't bring it all back, right? You'd think not, but isn't, isn't I mean, that isn't that the one percent scenario in any it, in any poll you but run? It, but if you believe right? if you believe that Caleb Williams is a better idea than Justin Fields, yeah. they're not going to run it all back, right? Can you run the entire coaching staff back with I mean, Caleb Williams? Yeah, yeah. That I guess that would be the interesting scenario. Nothing would surprise me. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's hard. It's really hard to see I mean, how I mean, they do that. It's, to to it, me, the question comes down to in the building in Ryan Poles' mind, if the offense ain't working, and it's not. Yeah. Um, is it because of Justin or is it because of Getzey? And I'm sure. I mean, the easy answer is yes to both. Yes. But uh, if you were to ass- to assign blame one way or the other, I mean, it's not unreasonable to think that it's more Justin than Getzey, right? Um, no, except I think Justin Fields has a higher ceiling than Luke Getzey. I would argue that. I mean, Justin Fields in the right hands, in the right offense, even with his flaws, which are established mm-hmm. and unlikely to change, could be, in my opinion, could be still be an MVP in this league. He could have. I could see him having a Cam Newton year. Okay. And Cam Newton's a good comp there because that's a guy who was the MVP of the league, but his career ended prematurely, and he's not a Hall of Famer. He's not... No even one of the best quarterbacks of his era. But for a time, mm-hmm. he was everything. He was the goods, right? Right. And so um, I think Justin Fields, for one year in the right offense, can it can certainly be that player. So, But <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> excuse me. But he does have limitations. Right. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think in, in year three, um, I think those are pretty well established. I think, I think that I've said that before. I've said this before, that the solution is to put him in a situation – where he can overcome those, and right. uh, you know, you get a great offensive line, you get another weapon. Let's say Marvin Harrison Jr. is everything they say, 
that makes things differently, and maybe you get a different offensive coordinator. I see him having a, a higher ceiling than uh, than if you than if you um, if you get Luke Getzey another quarterback because there's no certainty that that quarterback is going to be, you know, able to to raise the level of everybody around him. Those guys are just so uh, few and far between. And then this is a, a story I, that I'd love to write in the off season, but. Even the can't miss quarterbacks miss. Like, right. you, know, you can make yeah. a list of everybody drafted, and you've done this, right? In the, the top, in the, there were fifteen guys drafted in the top three going back. I don't know how many years, and the only one I would argue, you could argue it. I mean, we'd have to look at the list. We could do a whole show on this, but the only one who is absolutely no doubt about it has been giving them what they want is Joe Burrow, yep. who's out for the year. Right. You know, sure. can still the, the great quarterback can still get injured. There are some others like C.J. Stroud, like Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. There are some guys who can still win a Super Bowl and still be good, but there's nobody who has absolutely you were absolutely right on, mm-hmm. and those are all the top three guys. That doesn't now. The interesting thing is that doesn't mean you don't take your shot at Caleb, Caleb Williams, right. but you know that's why Brian Poles gets paid the big bucks. Right. He's going to have to make that decision. And it's also worth pointing out that. Patrick Mahomes was outside the top three when yeah. there were quarterbacks drafted ahead of him. Right. Josh Allen was outside the top yeah. three when there were quarterbacks drafted ahead of him. That's not to say that drafting a quarterback is – I mean, it's an inexact science. Right. But it's almost more inexact one through three than it is three through ten, right? It's every, three through twelve. Right. Yeah, and it, yeah, I think it, what, to me what that says is that it's all about – it's not only about the quarterback, but it's obviously – it obviously about, you know, everything you put around him. And, and I think uh, we got into this uh, uh, feeling like uh, – that uh, all you that the, the quarterback's a magic potion, and you I when with the when you look at the quarterbacks who have won the Super Bowl, I I don't blame you for thinking that. Obviously, that's right. true. But they had an awful when you when you see Patrick Mahomes now, mm-hmm. um, who is you know uh, who's looking like he was drafted by the Bears mm-hmm. a little bit yeah. more often than not recently. Yeah. I think you see that it's it, that there's a lot more to it than just the quarterback, and also you know on his little another aside. Just shows you how fortunate Patrick Mahomes was in his first five seasons mm-hmm. to have everything going his way. And, it helps and now, have, helps have good it. players around you too. And that's the, that's the that's the point. You got to have a good system, a, a system that was in place. Andy Reid was in place. It was not like Andy Reid just got there was a new guy. Everything was in place. There was very little teaching that had to be done for that offense. So, uh, so that so yeah. So it goes back to uh, you know it's not all about the quarterback, but again that does not preclude them from taking their shot if they get the number one pick. The interesting thing is, Pat, sometimes I think it might be better for the Bears if Carolina wins, gets out of the number one pick, and forces the Bears to go Marvin Harrison Jr., keep fields, and see how that works. Right. I know there are arguments on both sides. That that might end up being the best solution that they might be forced into, just like uh, Houston was forced into taking C.J. Stroud in number two uh, in last year's draft. I, I see the appeal of that. And if yeah. we were going to put money on who's a Hall of Famer from this draft class, I think Marvin Harrison's probably got the best odds. <laughs> that said, a lot. if you get Harrison, you still need to make a decision on how much money you're going to pay Justin Fields. Yeah. And I there's, there's a world where you get Harrison, and by the time that relationship blossoms, either Fields has continued to backslide or – you know, or you've got to give them fifty million dollars, <laughs> and, right. and there is a certainty with it's a financial certainty with drafting a quarterback that's different, um, and that allows you to build a team around him. 
Not that the Bears, I mean, the yeah. Bears have money. I think the Bears are growing more than, say, like the Giants were around Daniel Jones mm-hmm. last year. I right. think they're, I, 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 you know, they're going to overpay their quarterback no matter what. Sure. There's a, everybody. I mean, every quarterback is overpaid. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Right. The, you, you know. You, but in the first five years of a rookie deal, yeah. eh, maybe not. Right, and, right, right. Yeah. But I'm saying eventually. So I'm saying if you keep Fields, you're going to overpay him. But at least there's, you got, I think you have a better chance for a payoff. Yeah. It doesn't mean he's going to become Patrick Mahomes or even mm-hmm. uh, uh uh, Jalen Hurts, you know, what I mean, or Lamar Jackson, right? But uh, you, so, but he, you can, he can, he still, like I said, he still has a higher ceiling. He can still be a good enough quarterback to get you to the Super Bowl and win it. Yeah, Josh, um, if you put enough around him. So I don't think that's the worst scenario, yeah. uh, you know. And like I said, it could be the best. That's that's yeah. what I'm saying. It'd be interesting to see how that works out. If whether they get the number one pick, because if they get the number one pick. You know, how can they not take The a question isn't Justin Fields or whatever is behind door number two. The question yeah. is Justin Fields or Caleb Williams. Right. And yeah. uh, maybe that's not fair to Justin, but nobody ever said it was fair. I mean. Right. Uh, but he's, his play, though, has opened those questions, made that, made that fair. Yeah, I think Josh Allen, too, is another quarterback that you talk about obvious flaws that you're probably not going to fix. Boy, Josh Allen's got some very obvious flaws in terms yeah. of his propensity to just throw interceptions deep. Everybody in the world knows it, but you take him anyway. Right. And, and I think Justin could be one of those guys where he's limited and, you know, maybe he makes mistakes the way Josh Allen does, but, boy, you can win with that, you know what I mean, if you do it the Especially right way. Especially if you have a defense that holds the opponent under 20 points a game like the Bears have kind of been doing recently. And, uh, you know, they were 2-8 and eight, uh, the first 10 games when they scored 20 points under right. Eberflus, and they're four, they won four of their last five. I mean, I've always said that. I mean, everyone, it's, not, it's an obvious point, but – it still needs to be made for a team like the Bears is that your defense determines a lot of, of, of the success, especially when you look at win loss, one loss mm-hmm. uh, for your quarterback. So that's that's the other factor is that you're assuming that this defense continues to ascend and, you know, if injuries happen, that could fall apart too. Right. So it, nothing is for sure. But look at the league. <clears throat> what 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 the fan base is happy with their coach in this <laughs> league? Really, seriously. How many are really happy with their coach? Ten percent? Not many. There yeah. aren't many. I mean, you look at uh, you look around the league, and I, it's a, it's a little it's a it's a little bit of an easier question or uh, an easier point to make in the era of, of uh, social media because you don't have to look very far to see every you can you can type in any coach, Andy Reid, right? You well, know, Bill, John Harbaugh. I mean, here I mean, and you'll find someone griping about him. I mean, if you made a list of the five most unimpeachable coaches, it's probably Andy Reid, John Harbaugh, uh, Bill Belichick. Uh, Mike Tomlin, Sean McVay, Sean McVay, maybe Pete Carroll in there yeah, too, maybe yeah. sixth. Um, you know, I can tell you right now, there are questions about Tomlin from the fan base in, in Pittsburgh. There are certainly questions about Belichick from the fan base uh, in in New England. I mean, you know, Andy Reid's having his play calling question. By the way, greatest thing that ever happened to Eric Bieniemy is what has happened to the Chiefs this year. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe Bieniemy uh, helped them after all. Botsy, let's get to the picks here real quick. Uh, I've got. Uh, I've got the Bears at 12-9 winners. I, I think that when Eddie or when uh, Jalen Johnson talks about wanting to pitch a shutout, uh, I think they actually believe that. And, and I think, like you said, a matchup of a run-first offense against a run-first defense is, plays right into the Bears' hands. Well, they won a game 12-10, to 10, mm-hmm. and they won a game 12-9 to 9 in 1977 to make the playoffs. So that score warms my heart. Oh, I did Yes, did, when I they beat no the idea. Giants. Okay. Yes, to make the playoffs for the first time. It, since 1963, which was, you know, 14 time. years at that time was a long <laughs> drought. Yeah. I, uh, the Sun-Times uh, 
Uh, Rick Morrissey's got the Falcons 17-14. Rick Tellender 22-20 for the Bears. Scoop Jackson 23-6 for the Bears. Jason Leisure 23-18. And Potsy, you're at 19-17 Bears. Because I think the I think the Bears defense is healthy and has will win that matchup. Like, yeah. I think that's the matchup that wins for the Bears, and it's going to be I think it's going to be a low scoring game. Defensive and touchdown. I, Defensive touchdown. Uh, I don't know about that, but uh, could be. But uh, and also I think you know the Falcons are uh, are, are an uh, indoor t- uh, dome team playing up north. I think that's a factor. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, that's it's it, that's that's my reasoning. But you know who knows? I, I kind of feel like. The Bears have been playing well recently, and a clunker just would not surprise me. So nope. uh, I am predicting a victory. I'm, I'm, I'm in on that. But you know, it's still the Bears, and uh, and also I think. Well, here's a point. I think I, mean, I still think this. I still think this team is is really solid. I think they're. I think they. I don't think they're playing out playing out the string. I think they really feel like they're building like they're building right. like this game matters. Like this is almost a part of next season. Right. They won't say that. They they won't talk about next season. But I feel like just the vibe, not only the vibe, but just in talking to guys, that they really feel like this is that their hearts in it. You know, right. they, that not they're not just playing they're not just playing to make it look good, like they're not giving up. They're actually literally playing for next season, and, sure. and this is a part of that and part of that. So I think that's a factor as well, I, yeah, because this is the time of year when you're out of the playoffs or have such slim hope uh, that that's when it just all falls apart. I, I, I guess I don't see that happening, too. That's another reason why I think they're going to win. Uh, real quick before we go, I know you don't like talking about emotional stuff, but today's the two-year anniversary of the death of our friend Jeff Dickerson, cover the Bears at ESPN uh, in his honor. We are presenting the Jeff Dickerson Good Guy Award. The Good Guy Award's been around for years. We renamed it after him last year. It, it rewards the Bears. One of the most appropriately named awards <laughs> in the history of awards. And I mean that in all seriousness. That is in my, I actually have to, yeah. pre, I have to say something later. Yeah. And that is, I have scribbled that down. He is the goodest good guy. Yes. I think yeah, he represents that award in more ways than one. And so we remember JD today and uh, Eddie Jackson's going to be the winner. Um, you know, there are three or four guys who very easily could have gotten away with it this year. Cole Komet was uh, very helpful to us. The defending champion. Um, Jalen Johnson as well. Anybody who demands a trade doesn't get traded and then talks about it the next day yeah. is good in my book. Uh, but we're going to go with Eddie. I like uh, – let me put a pitch in for uh, Jaquan Brisker. Yep, absolutely. Uh, because I feel like, A, I like a young guy who steps up. And, you know, there's – I don't mean to extend this too long, but – there's a thing with captaincy that really gnaws me about the NFL because it's not seen. It's it's they have a hundred captains in the NFL and an NFL team it seems like, but it's not a public position. They don't base it on who represents the team publicly the best. Right. And I, I really and I, I have a problem with that, frankly. And I think because I think that's a part of being captain somebody who speaks to the media. That's and true. Talks to that's true in hockey. In ho- hockey is the best captaincy right. of all. Okay. NFL is the worst. And we can talk 20 minutes about it, but NFL, the NHL is so good right. that if the Blackhawks don't have a captain because they don't have a captain. Right. Right? Yeah. That's what it is. like. If you don't have a captain, nobody wears the C. Mm-hmm. When Connor Bedard reaches that point, which could be before the end of this season, actually. Could be, could be this yeah, could afternoon. Could be any day yeah, now. Right, yeah. uh, then they will have a season. And that's, that's a good, great point about hockey. Hockey is the best captaincy. NFL is the worst. So anyway, the reason I bring that up is because even though Jaquan Brisker is not a captain, he is a young guy, second-year player. Not like he's been an all-pro or a pro. Well, he has his own issues, but he's always willing to step up. He wants to be a not a face, a voice of the franchise and step up there and makes a point in good times and bad. And that's what the Good Guy Award is about. So he's a few, 
if you want to want a future bet, there you, there you go. Jaquan Brisker will win a will win a good guy award. It'd be, it'd be the most sports writery thing of all time to create a book to bet on. Uh, I'll bet FanDuel will take. We'll put that up. I'll bet they'll put up anything. Yeah. So. The good guy award, by the way, if I didn't say earlier, it's given to the player who best helps us do our job. And in this context, it's somebody who is available for interviews when we need him, and is and does them in the right with in the right state of mind and with the good humor that usually we expect is that or not, yeah. not expect good humor that we would that we would prefer in the spirit of the nfl's own uh media policy yes uh, which is one of cooperation which is you know it's acknowledging that you know uh, it's part of the game media media has built has helped uh, one thing that george Hallis always felt media always recognized that we're, and this is a guy who literally was going into newsrooms in 19 in the 1920s pitching bear stories you know right. and pitching the bears Always, the NFL has always recognized that the media as a, as a conduit uh, as is a, is a part of the success of the league, and so um, in the, so the award is given in the spirit of of that uh, acknowledgement. Yeah, and I, I think I think uh, the season that the Bears have had with all of its ups and downs, um, I think JD would have, I think I think it would have been nice to have JD this year because JD was. Um, the kind of person that would tell us not to take it home with us, you know, or would sit there and say, you know, you know, go to dinner or have another glass of wine or, you know, go to your kid's thing instead of worrying about the Bears. And the Bears, uh, for lots of reasons, especially early in the season, gave everybody a lot of reasons. And, and would still be asking all the right questions. Exactly. In a, in a much much better way, with, with a lot finer touch than I have. I'll guarantee <laughs> you that. With a smile on his face. I, yes. I, I envy that about J.D. to this day. He's, he's got... Uh, He's got finesse. Yes. Uh, he, had, he, had, he had finesse, and uh, that was one of his many strengths. Uh, so we remember J.D. today, uh, and we appreciate Eddie Jackson. Potsy, that'll do it. We will be back again on Sunday to break down the Bears and Falcons. Until then, you can follow uh, Mark and myself on social media. You can check out the Sun-Times on uh, the Internet or in print if you can or on the app. Jason Leisure will be back uh, presumably on Sunday as well. Uh, Anyway, he's Mark. I'm Pat. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back real soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.